What's going on, Spurs fans? It's Ethan Quintero here, back with our first episode. I guess I shouldn't say back then. I should just say we are here for our first episode on SSPN, <laughs> the Spurs. Technically, we're back. We made a trailer That's true. on audio That's true. and video. Our technically yeah. second video, first actual content video. It's our first recap of a Spurs game. It was on March 29th, and it was against Sacramento Kings. An unfortunate loss. Uh, but we're here to break it down for you. And as always, I'm going to be here with my partner in crime, Jude McLaren. Jude, why don't you get us started here at this conversation? What were your thoughts on the game? Well, before we get into that, there, there's two things that I want to say. And I was going to make a pun off of what something that you said earlier, but I forget exactly what you said. But what I was going to say was that this is actually our second attempt because we, we recorded for a little bit, not too long, mm-hmm. but you know, it's just funny that that's our first episode and you know, we got a little, just a little bit of uh, it, it seems like that always happens whenever it's your first episode, mm-hmm. but going back to the partner in crime thing, like I said in the recording before, <laughs> yes, I'm going to use it again. This, that was perfect because this game was a crime to Spurs fans. And so Also, just as a PSA on my first episode, I want to say this. Everything that is like critical that I may say in this, I am not Colin Cowherd. I am not, you know, one of these people that sit on their high horse and are like, oh, they're they need to be better at their job. They're getting paid millions, blah, 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 blah. I'm like, dude, look, I'm never going to be as good at basketball as these guys that their knowledge of the game is going to be infinitely more than mine. We're just fans talking about the Spurs so you know if I get something wrong or I'm ignorant of something just tell me in the comments and I'll you know I'll fix it and take it into account in the future but anyways getting into the game um yeah this this game this game just sucked Ethan (laughs) I mean we we could we I I feel like I've already talked a lot and I know you just asked me for my thoughts and I could go down and give a whole breakthrough here but I'm actually going to swing it back to you because I just I'm kind of curious what you what you thought of it before I get into mine. I thought at the beginning that it was going to be a good game. I mean, I thought the Spurs were actually going to pull it out because we were notoriously bad this season in the first quarter, and we managed to come out of the first quarter with a lead, thirty-one to twenty-seven. And I was like, "Wow, that's surprisingly good." We're always better in the second quarter. We're probably going to pull really far ahead. And, you know, maintain a a solid lead all the way into the final buzzer. And unfortunately, that didn't happen. And we we can blame the defensive side of the ball, which I'm sure there's a lot of evidence. I watched the game where we weren't rotating correctly and we were, you know, obviously bad with our turnovers tonight, which we're usually pretty good at. But you got to give props to the Kings. They were hitting some tough shots out there. And, and, you know, as always, Fox is going to be his quick, foxy self, you know, getting into the paint, kicking it out. And letting his team make some make some incredible three pointers, especially Buddy Heald and and Halliburton, they were they were cooking us all night long. Um, but my main takeaway, Jude, to sum up, I don't know why Dejounte Murray, who was our leading scorer for the game, finished with twenty three. He had twenty one in the first half, two in the second half. I don't I don't know much yeah. about you know what was going on in the coaching side of things or whatever, or what Sacramento was throwing at Dejounte, but you got to get him some more touches in the second half when he was cooking the way he was. Yeah. So this is something that, that we already kind of talked about a little bit in our first take, and I'm glad you brought it up mm-hmm. again. Cause I said, I just said first, take, <laughs> LOL. Anyway, um, I know. Right. No. So I, like I said, I, I don't know if it was something that the Kings did after a halftime adjustment. Um, I don't know if it was something that the Spurs did um, after their, 
halftime, you know, adjustments. Mm. So once again, I don't know really what happened with DeJounte there in that second half. He was doing really well in the first half, obviously had 21 points. I saw it all on Twitter and maybe it was just Spurs fans jinxing it. Um, But his career high was 29. And with the way he was playing in that first half, it was like, oh, DJ is going to get at least 30 tonight. Like, Mm -hmm. and he's going to break his career, you know, scoring high in a game. And then on top of that, it was like, okay, he's probably going to carry us, you know, in this game is what it looks like. And then once again, two points in the second half, and he's still our leading scorer. Um, And this kind of goes into the offensive thing that we were kind of talking about. Um, And it seems like the Spurs haven't been consistent offensively since the whole COVID thing happened when Derek, Devin, Keldon, and Quindary Weatherspoon, and forgive me if I'm forgetting somebody else, got COVID. Since that happened, the team consistently, consistency as a whole since that happened has been tough for the team because they were on a seven-game win streak at the time, I believe, and since then have just kind of gone back and forth, uh, maybe a couple dubs here, a couple L's, a mm. couple dubs. You know, like we just we just came off beating the Bulls, which I know it was their first game together as a team, a much more talented team, in my opinion, than the Sacramento Kings team. I know this this Kings team definitely has some players, but I just think that Levine and, and Vucevic is just a better combo than anybody on here like De'Aaron Fox is really good and he's probably close to Zach Levine but he's not averaging almost 30 and you know Tyrese Halliburton maybe in three years will be on that level but not right now so I just think the way that they and this is kind of like I forget if I go back on the schedule I'm looking at it right now let's see yeah so you play a close well this isn't a great example but well, here's one. You lose a close game to the Mavericks. This is a while back. And then they go and they blow out the Magic 104 to 77. And then the next game, they get blown out 134 to 99. And I get that the Mavericks and the Sixers are better than the Magic. But there have been a couple examples this season where the Spurs have. Well, here's an example. They lost to the Thunder. And then. Or they, they beat the Hornets 122 to 110. Mm-hmm right? This Hornets team is actually pretty decent this year. Then you go lose to the Thunder, one of the bottom teams in the West. And then the very next game, you beat the Pelicans, who, while aren't one of the top teams in the West, they're a lot better than the Thunder. Mm -hmm. So once again, the theme here is is inconsistency. So I'm kind of getting lost in my thoughts. (laughs) I'm not sure. I know where you are. I know where you are. Okay. You know where I am. Okay. I'm I'm picking up what you're putting down, Jude. You know where I'm at. So it's just... Once again, inconsistency, especially here's what I was getting to. I'm remembering it now. Offensively, mm-hmm. like the team as a whole has been inconsistent. And I think that's a lot of it has to do with the offensive inconsistency. I know they scored 115 tonight, but I think that was also a product of the pace that both these teams were playing at tonight. But going back to the offensive inconsistency since then, it seems like they just haven't really you know, the ball will stop more. It'll end at the end of the possession with DeMar DeRozan or Rigay or Patty Mills or even DeJounte in that first half. Granted, he was making his shots. Like, there's like eight. They try to get something going, you mm-hmm. know. Like, when the first pick and roll doesn't work, it's like they just, all right, well, let's just dish it out to DeJounte with eight seconds left and try to run another one. Or he'll just try to ISO and beat his man off the dribble. And then, like, 
like I can't tell you how many times in the past couple of games I've seen Demar get stuck on his pivot foot mm-hmm. with like no space on the elbow. Yes. Like what is that? <laughs> like no no offense no, yeah. once again, but like what is going on with the offense right now? It's it's very I know when they play with a lot of pace and they run in transition, they don't have too many problems, but I don't know, I feel like there's just not I don't I don't know how to put my finger on it, but I think I think you get what I'm saying. I do. They've just haven't been able to mesh really offensively over the past couple games. I've been thinking about your point for a while, actually. And I think what it boils down to, one is we haven't had our team really complete in a long time. You know, like you said, Derek's been out in and out for a while. Keldon was hurt for a little bit. Then we had the COVID situation. And then when coming back from the COVID situation, Derek was out again for a little bit. And now Lonnie's wrist, now he's out. And then we had the whole LaMarcus fiasco where he's, you know, been he sat out for like, what, two, three weeks? Was in and out. Yeah. yeah. And, and we haven't really been complete. And I think that's been an issue as far as chemistry and moving the ball and just having that second nature of knowing where guys are. Back, like we saw that in 2014. I love bringing up 2014 Spurs team because I think it's one of the criminally underrated teams because we, ha- we were at such good ball movement and we haven't seen that lately. And I think there's a second point to that um, – which is we have these veterans who are kind of set in their ways, and that's not bad because they're really solid players. I'm thinking of DeMar and Rudy especially. And then we have all these young guys coming up, and I think they want to play with pace. I think they want to move around and run the break and all that stuff, move in transition. And like you said, DeMar, Rudy, you know, if it doesn't work immediately, they, they revert back to their old ways, which is getting it in that mid-range, and they'll try and like a spin move, turn around, jumper from like 15 feet, and it either goes in or it doesn't. And, you know, and that's just, it's like a confrontation between the Spurs way of playing and then what they're really good at, which is ISO ball. And those are constantly competing with each other. And, you know, if sometimes it works and then sometimes it, it doesn't. And that's where we get this kind of incohesiveness on the offensive side. I agree with that. And, you know, watching the, the Bulls game this past Saturday, I kind of had a realization of like why the Spurs are the way they are. So if you look at their roster, right, you have a lot of players who I think like a lot all their draft picks, all of the young guys, those are guys that pop in the front office, like drafted them because they know that they could be Spurs, mm-hmm. right? And then they have just a bunch of other dudes who can just get buckets. Yeah. Because sometimes and and I get, I kind of understand where they're coming from. It was the first time in my life I kind of had this realization. Like over the past, since the Demar era, it was the first time I realized, oh, they have Rudy. They even Lamarcus to an extent when he was here. Um, uh, Demar obviously, and then even I think Patty now at this point is kind of in this role too. Where and even when Marco Bellinelli was playing, like this is kind of his role also. Was you had all these young guys who, you know, pass the ball, you know, will drive, but they're still kind of learning how to play. Mm -hmm. So whenever their possession or, you know, their like the fluidity of the offense that they want to play doesn't work out, which is basically just them cutting to the basket and then dishing out like constantly. Like that's basically the offense with the young guys. And you can, you know, you can disagree. Oh yeah. You're pretty, you're pretty much right on. And so like, if that doesn't work out, they just have to have dudes who they can give the ball to with eight seconds left and can get a bucket. Mm-hmm. That's cool, but sometimes the buckets don't fall. Or, you know, in this case, you just they, they were trying to play at pace 
and the Kings were able to, to have a hot night shooting and play at pace the entire game where when the Spurs got slowed down, mm-hmm. there would be those, you know, possessions like where DeMar is stuck on his pivot foot at the elbow. So it's just, it's a very interesting dynamic and some nights for the Spurs, it works really well mm-hmm. and other nights it doesn't like tonight. And so once again, for me, this just points to the, it's going to be a very intriguing off season. And I know we'll get into that on like the Friday episode that we mm-hmm. do, but at the same time, it's also interesting because I don't know if these young guys can really carry a team, you know, by themselves yet. So I don't yeah. know. I think that there's still a... those young guys are all still really young. Like I think we underestimate how young they are. Like who's the oldest one? Derek maybe, and he's like twenty four, but twenty five. No, he's he's twenty six. Um, but well. the thing is, but the thing is with Derek is that he was drafted at twenty three years old. Yes, yes. So so his experience in the Spurs system is still limited. And mm-hmm. uh, I don't know if you saw this, but I've seen it over the past few games, really all season long. And you kind of have to look for it. But with these young guys, I'm thinking of like Lucas Amanich, who hasn't had that much play time, but Lucas Amanich. Keldon Johnson, who's our personal favorites, I think. He's at least mine. I'm pretty sure he's yours as well. Um, but a lot of times I'll see them running down the court and DeJounte or DeMar will be bringing it up and they'll be wanting to push the pace. And they're literally having to tell you know some of these young guys like Keldon and Luca, you're in the wrong spot, move. And it's like they're having to learn on the job, like, oh, I'm not supposed to be here. Because like I saw it. Last game and this game, the exact same thing happened where DeJounte had the ball. He's pushing it up the court. Derek's on the left wing three-point line, and Keldon goes to the corner, left corner. So now there's it's too cluttered over there. Keldon needs to cut under the basket, and he'll take – like Jakob was underneath the basket, so it moves the defense away from Derek, wide open shot for Derek. And he did it yet last game. DeJounte literally like moved him, and he did it, and the play worked. But tonight, it happened a couple times, and that never happened. We never got that three-point shot up. And I think it's just, you know, like I said, learning on the job together. It's going to take some time, and the veterans may be getting in the way of these young guys learning. But I hate to say that because I do really like the veterans as players, and obviously DeMar's our best player on the court. And Rudy provides, you know, some length, and especially because we need some some help, which we're getting with Gordy Zhang. Um, but one other thought I had about tonight's game: Jakob started hot, and he disappeared quick. And I don't know if you noticed this, but Jakob can't catch a lot of these entry passes. I don't know what his problem is, but like he'll be wide open, he'll be parallel with Demar on a pick and roll, and Demar will like shovel it in there, and he's like, he like loses it, and it goes over his head. And he's got to find it. And I, I don't know what the issue is there, but he could get so many easy baskets if he could just catch the ball because he's so physically intimidating. And we made Rashawn Holmes look like he was better than Nikola Vucevic. You know, because we shut Vucevic down pretty well. Like, he wasn't that dominant. But Rashawn Holmes had 23 points tonight. And I, that that can't happen. That's that inconsistency that you were alluding to earlier. And that's not something that like Jakob has been playing phenomenal yeah. as of late. Mm-hmm. But I kind of I understand what you're saying about like the the inbound pass things too. It's like sometimes he just gets 
I don't know, flustered is a way. And we're being very specific with like Jakob Pertle right now. But <laughs> that's the whole point of this podcast. It's just funny because I'm thinking about like, wow, we're really diving deep into Jakob Pertle. Again. <laughs> um, n- nobody in like mainstream NBA cares about this. Um, but anyways, no. so I remember there was even a rebound in this game where he goes up, gets it, but there's like two guys and they're just like kind of moving their hands and he just like gets flustered and loses the ball. Mm-hmm. And so... I think just when he's crowded, his hands aren't as good. Um, that would be my response to that. But just going over some of the notes that I have. So the first thing I have written down, and this is not something that I was expecting to say, but over these past couple games um, where Lonnie's been hurt, Lonnie is missed, like off the bench. Mm-hmm. Like he is, yeah. I think I'm realizing now there's, even when he goes like five for like, 14 from the floor you know what Mm -hmm. i mean like he doesn't even have that great of a shooting night i'm i'm seeing now that he's not on the floor the impact that he has that doesn't show up on the stat sheet Mm -hmm. you know what i'm saying and so he's a great he's he's a he's a good defender he's very athletic he helps push the pace and he's this year for us he's been a great off-ball player and a great off-ball shooter and so that's something that we were definitely like missing from him tonight um and and have been missing from him since he's been hurt in the games that we've lost obviously i had that great game against the bulls and speaking of that game in that game it's felt like the spurs were playing pissed off tonight it didn't feel like they were playing pissed off and i think that's kind of another reason why things just kind of got bleh Mm -hmm. because when they play pissed off they create turnovers they run in transition they score a lot of points um and that's what led to that big big win over the bulls like the bulls even came back in that game and still lost by 16 so and it, at one point it was a 35 point lead um so another thing i have when i wrote when dj is on like when he's you know just kind of when he's in rhythm he can take over the game for a couple possessions i think we've seen this a couple times from him this year and even in the past in past years but this year really in that first half it was like okay nothing's going good with the offense right now but we can give it to dj with eight seconds left he can come off a screen and hit a mid-range jumper in anybody's face second half that wasn't the case um another one i have i knew chemezi metu would be out for blood and so it was kind of funny watching him block chase and then getting goaltends but at the end of the day he's got the last laugh because they got the win tonight um the this was a bad loss but this team still doesn't quit no they could have given up when they were down 18 in the third quarter and they came back and made it close obviously the fourth quarter went badly um but DeMar kind of sparked that late third quarter run to go down from down 18 to single digits. Mm-hmm. Um, and another shout out I want to give on the positive notes, holy Drew Eubanks on that lob. I did not like, I knew he was athletic, but I did not know he had ups like that. I um, love Drew Eubanks, know. dude. My favorite player other than Keldon. <laughs> and and we'll get, we'll get into this. I'm sure a little bit more on Friday um, or whenever we end up seeing him, but I'm very interested to see who ends up taking those backup center minutes because I think it's going to be a battle between Gorgie Jang and um and injured Eubanks because Jang can hit the three and he's bigger. He's bigger than Eubanks. Like as much as we love Eubanks, like and and with the way Eubanks played when Jakob didn't honestly, I think for the Spurs tonight Eubanks played the best in my opinion. Mm-hmm. Like overall, like not the best, but like for a player like reaching their potential, like a player in their role, mm-hmm. right? I think Eubanks had the best game for themselves tonight because 
you know, Derek, he hit some shots, 19 points. You know, I guess that's kind of his role now, which is kind of weird mm-hmm. because he was taking over games in the playoffs. Like you said, I mean, Jakob still had 17 and 11 and three blocks when you look at the stat yeah. sheet. But at the same time, he, you know, was a little bit off defensively tonight. Um, DeMar was six for 15. And while, yes, DeJounte had 23, we know that only two points happened in the second half. Um, and so that's why I'm saying, meanwhile, Eubanks went four for four, had five boards, a steal, a block. Um, so anyways, he, he played a good game tonight, mm-hmm. but it's going to be very interesting to see if he still ends up getting those minutes when, when Gorgie Jang comes in. I'm sure for a little bit while they, you know, kind of introduce Jang to the system and all that, Eubanks will play. But whenever he's fully in, um, I just wonder who are going to take those minutes, but we can get into that on Friday. That's just something I was thinking about. Yeah, I think that Eubanks, while his stats, he only had eight points, five boards, 15 minutes, which is actually, you know, he was very efficient, 100% from the field. Um, I felt watching the game, like every time his he touched the court, we like, our energy skyrocketed and we made a run. Mm-hmm. You know, maybe he wasn't the one scoring all those points on those runs, but I felt like we were, we were playing best basketball when he was in the lineup, and I'll be interested to see if I know we could talk about this another time, but if Gorgie Zhang and Eubanks could play together um, for some lineups. That is true because Zhang can can shoot the ball, mm-hmm. and and Eubanks and I think Eubanks actually can kind of shoot the ball too. He's he's hit a three this year. Not any, probably not as good as Gorgie, mm-hmm. but the thing is Eubanks can guard on the perimeter. Like he is six nine. He's and we saw with his athleticism tonight. You know it's a little bit. Um, something that he doesn't get to show off much, so it goes unrecognized. So, yeah, maybe that is something that they could do. Um, that, that'll that be interesting to see with that. I'm trying to think if I have any. I, I just had a thought in my head. Oh, here it is. Okay, all right, all right. Here's, <laughs> here's, here's, my last, here's my last little thought on this game and this Spurs team, all right? And people may disagree with this. But I think I think you may understand where I'm coming from here. Let me hear it. I think I think that when Keldon Johnson does not play well, the Spurs do not play well at overall. I can definitely see that. But I'm going to counter your point with this point that also might get some hate if we actually have some comments because I mean I, let me preface this by saying Keldon Johnson is my favorite player on the Spurs I think he's got incredible upside you already know my position Jude on I don't think he should play power forward not because he's not talented enough or skilled enough or aggressive enough he's got all of those intangibles I think that he's 6'5 and he's guarding guys that are 6'9 6'10 it takes too much energy on the defensive side Maybe he loses something on the offensive side. But I also want to say this about Keldon. Which is why we should start Lucas Samanich. I, I want Lucas Samanich to get some more playing time. I don't know about you, but I think he needs... I know he's god-awful, but like just let him develop. He's got a high ceiling. Yeah, he's got like <laughs> glimpses of greatness and then just a lot yeah, of like blandness. But <laughs> a, a, lot of, a lot of I don't know how to play American basketball. <laughs> I'm yet. just lost, especially on defense. Yeah. But, um, yeah, uh, uh, Keldon, I think that teams are starting to figure out a little bit how to stop Keldon. And if you eliminate his drive to the basket, he's really not going to hurt us. Like, he's not going to hurt the other team. Because his shot is, if it's on, he's great. You know, he's hitting from the corner. 
But more often than not, he didn't even take a three. Exactly. More often than not, he's not even going to shoot. He usually it. does that. Like, I, I see him catch it on the perimeter. If he has a little bit of room, nine out of 10 times, he's going to pump fake it or jab step and then cross over and try and get into the lane. And he's so aggressive with getting into, like, getting inside that a lot of times he doesn't kick it out. So he'll go up with three dudes around him and he'll, like, contort his body and throw it off the glass and he can get some good putback. So that's great. But, you know, if you can stop him from making layups and getting those offensive rebounds, then you've really eliminated Kelvin Johnson, at least offensively. Defensively, he's always good. He's got good hands. But offensively, you can, you can have a defensive scheme that can stop Kelvin Johnson at this point. And so it's funny you mentioned that because I feel like since the All-Star break, Ethan, and call me conspiracy Jude here, but I think that... He he hasn't played as well since the All Star. Other than the twenty three point game with twenty one rebounds. Where, where where was that? When was that? Was that was like three games ago. I don't have it pulled up. No, no. Like I remember that game. I know it was recently, but I forget who did they play in that game again. I'm just forgetting. I can pull it up while you make your point. I don't know. Point I was going to make was other than yeah that one team. Um, I think that I agree with you. I think teams have figured out Keldon Johnson a little bit. And I think that they've figured out the Spurs also and how they play. Because I think that first half of the season, a lot of these teams, and you can interrupt me whenever you find Yeah, it was it. against the um, Cavs, uh, March 19th. Okay. Yeah. All right. See, so that's the Cavs. And that's not to take anything away from Keldon, but the Cavs are... The, the, wh- where are they in the East right now? Like the bottom? They're, like they're not the in the playoffs. Other than they got Jared Allen and, and Sexland. <laughs> and that's all they've got, really. Okay, yeah, they've they've got Darius Garland and and Colin Sexton. Mm-hmm. Where so let me I'm trying to figure out. I can't look at the standings. That ESPN. I got you, Jude. I got you. Eastern yes, Conference. Please. They're the 13th seed. They're 17 and 29. Okay, it, there you go. Okay, like they're not going to figure out most teams. You know what I'm mm-hmm. saying? Like the Spurs were just better than them. So like talent wise, you, you know what I'm yeah. saying? Um, so. That is, and I don't want to take that away from Keldon because that's the first twenty twenty game since Tim Duncan. So, like, I don't want to, I don't want to diminish that at all because that that I, I think just shows how he plays and, and his potential. But against other teams, I think at the beginning of the year, everybody was like, "Oh, they're the Spurs," you know, like, "Yeah, they're playing these young guys, but who are these dudes?" You know what I'm saying? So, like, when we beat the Lakers and we beat the Clippers and and all these other teams at the beginning of the year. It was, in my opinion, I think it was because they didn't understand our play style. They were like, oh, this is a different Spurs small ball lineup mm-hmm. where they're going to be running, pushing the pace, playing in transition, and they have this 6'5", 220-pound kid from Kentucky who's just going to run like a fullback to the basket, and it can outmuscle most NBA players. So I think now that teams like understand how we play, and how we do it, I think a lot of our success did stem from Keldon driving to the rim, and maybe I'm over-exaggerating that, but I feel like in the first half, he was kind of the difference maker. That Him with the energy, him with, he was kind of that whole different, I feel like what he brings to the Spurs is something that the Spurs haven't had in a very long time, and that's somebody who talks mm-hmm. on the floor and like screams and yells, like that doesn't happen with the Spurs. We didn't see him screaming and yelling a lot tonight. Yeah. Um, and I know that that seems like a weird, 
like thing to pinpoint on, but I really think that that energy just changes. It energizes us. It changes how we play. When that is happening, good things are happening on the floor. When, when he does not do well. And like you're saying, a lot of teams are figuring out how to kind of stop him. I feel like through the first half, basically what I'm trying to say is I feel like through the first half of the year is he was our X factor. Yes. And other people may disagree with that, but in my opinion, I really, I don't really care what the stats say. Just watching the games, I feel like he. They say Patty is the heart and soul of the team. I really felt like Keldon was the heart and soul of the team, even if he scored nine points. You know what I'm saying? Yes, if yeah. he was getting blocks and getting rebounds and like, you know, yelling "Give me that!" You know what? Like, <laughs> you know, most people like that doesn't happen when you play the Spurs. So teams figuring him out, I think maybe 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 a cause of our of our offense kind of stifling a bit yes i agree and i don't want to make anything i don't want to say anything drastic yet because like <laughs> you said it's only been like the second half of the season where he's kind of been in this slump the spurs could go on a five game winning streak exactly he could catch you know fire. what i'm saying he could catch fire yeah. if he just fixes i think if he just fixes the hesitancy i don't think his jump shot needs to get much better but if he just lets it fly, just don't think about it, let it fly, I think he'll get 10 times better. They've got a pretty good four-game stretch here. Like, going... Not to interrupt you. I, I no, agree no, with you ahead. completely, but we've got Sacramento, Atlanta, Indiana, and Cleveland. And then you've got a back-to-back with Denver. So these four games, if you can go on a four-game win streak after kind of make up for that four-game loss streak mm-hmm. against the Hornets, Clippers, and the Bucks. Um, that would be really helpful. Obviously, we don't know what's going to happen, but you know there there's some there's some teams we've beat before, um, and you know I think Indiana might be the toughest game. Actually, Atlanta. I think might Atlanta be the game at all those. They, yeah, uh, ball movement. Eastern Conference teams that aren't at the top of the conference. Yes. Well, they're <laughs> they're kind of hot right now with the hiring of Nate McMillan. Well, Atlanta is, and, yeah, uh, that's very true. And they have a high vault three point shooting team. Like they shoot a lot of threes, especially with Trey Young. And mm-hmm. I think how you kill the Spurs is lots of ball movement and lots of threes because we're not very good switching on pick and rolls. You know, we get lost underneath the basket, cutting back door, you know, all these, all these um, flare screens and whatnot that open up shooters in the corner. We're, uh, we're kind of struggling on the defensive side as well. You know, as much as we like to talk about our offense, maybe being a little bit inconsistent, our defense has not been, you know, that's solid. Other than the second quarter, if you want to look at stats, second quarter, well, we're good. But otherwise, I'm just not seeing it right now. Yeah, so even against the... Really, I'm looking at it. When was the All-Star break? So is the All-Star break... Well, no, it's got to be after then. Okay, I'm looking at the schedule. Was that in March? When was the All-Star break? I think it was in I'm, February, if I'm not mistaken. February, it could have okay. been March. I'm all over the place, man, with midterms and San Antonio Spurs content. Yes. I don't know what and, day it is. And and on top of that, it's uh, the the COVID schedule to the season kind of whacked things out. Yes. It's usually like it's always at the same time. We know where it's at. But I'm going to say that I could look this up, but I'm going off of your point of defensive inconsistency in the past – Let's see, one, 
two, three, four, five, six, seven, seven games. We've given up 110 plus points four times. Yeah. And we've given up 120 to the Bucks, 130 to the Clippers, 130 to the Kings, and then 110 to Cleveland. And the only game we won was Cleveland. So, yeah, there's 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 one example of, and that was the game that Keldon had 23 and 21. Yes. So there there are some games where we're we're definitely letting it go a little bit mm-hmm. um, defensively. And it, that being said, I don't know. Um, I think we're, we're we're getting ready to come to a close here on this on this game recap. We've co- pretty much covered it. <laughs> every aspect mm-hmm. of tonight's game against the no, Kings, you're, but you're exactly. But right. I do want to give one more shout out. It's a po- on a positive note. I know he didn't shoot all that well, and for just looking at the box score, and you're a Spurs fan, perhaps you're a little worried about Devin Vassell. You know, he's our our lottery pick, and he hasn't really shown that much offensive ability as of now. He only had three points, three rebounds, fifteen minutes of play. The whole time I watched him tonight, defensively, he was amazing. You know, whoever he was guarding, he pretty much locked him down. He was great on pick and rolls, switching. He was he was he was exceptional on the defensive side of the ball. So if you didn't watch the game and you're a little bit worried about Devin, don't be as of yet. His offense will come. Remember what people said about Kawhi Leonard. He had no offensive game coming out of the draft. He was just a rebounder that could play defense, and now he's a perennial all-star. Two-time Finals MVP. Give Devin time. I think he's going to blossom into a terrific player. Maybe not a superstar, but a terrific player. Well, and the other thing with Devin is he's a great shooter. Mm-hmm. Like he's he's got a great jump shot already, which is something Kawhi didn't have. So if he can develop other skills on offense, uh, that would be very interesting. Yeah, and I I completely agree with that. Devin Devin always plays great defense. Um, he's just a super lengthy, great perimeter defender. Um, who can follow guys to the basket too and, and always put a contest there. But yeah, anyways, kind of going back to what I was saying earlier, I don't know where I was really going with that, but there have been games where the sport Spurs have given up a lot of points and they've done it multiple times uh, over the over the past stretch of games is, is what I was trying mm-hmm. to say. So, you know, when when the offense, but but even then I go back and look at some of these other games where we don't have to score that much. If we can just keep our opponent under a hundred points, like most likely we're going to win the game. So that's another thing. Like I feel like the Spurs scoring one fifteen that may have been a product of pace a little bit, but also when the Spurs win, like score one fifteen, they usually win the game they're playing. Um, so this was this was definitely there was a lot of you know defensive stuff that happened, but I think also. Um, I don't know. We could kind of go into defense more. There, there's, but there's just a lot of, and I know we're we're wrapping this up here, but there were just a lot of guys who were left open, mm-hmm. a lot of lackadaisicalness. It kind of goes back to what I said earlier. You know, when they played the Bulls, they kind of seemed pissed off. Tonight, they didn't seem um, all there, and that might just be a product of a young team. Like, you know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Like, it's all about preparation, getting in the right mental state, and that's not like a fault of them. Like, that's going to happen to the majority of players in the NBA who are young. And so we talked about inconsistency a lot here. And the more I think about it, uh, Ethan, I kind of just think, you know, maybe all of these other things that I'm talking about, 
don't matter at all. And it's just that they're young and youth is just going to breed inconsistency because they're continuously learning how to play NBA basketball. I think you could be right, Jude. It's a long season. Let's see what happens. I know it's been a long time since we've had to struggle with youth. About 22 years, and it's... I'd rather have these dudes, man. These, like... I mean, not not rather than, like, you know... Than like Timmy D. And... Them. But, yeah, but, but, <laughs> but, like, considering where we're at after the whole Kawhi fiasco, I'm I'm pretty happy with our young group of players that we have because I think they all have pretty high ceilings. I agree with you. Defensive-minded, hard-nosed team basketball is what the Spurs are all about, and that's what our young core will hopefully give us in the future. Uh, I'm going to wrap this up, Jude, unless you have another point that you want to you wanna make. No, you're good to go. All right. Thank you guys so much for tuning in to SSPN. We are... Oh, Lonnie, come back. Yeah, please, there Lonnie. We need, some, we need a spark <laughs> off the bench. Please. It's been Drew Eubanks, and that's it. These lineups are god-awful. Oh, and start Luka Samanich. <laughs> start Luka. That's going to be hashtag start Luka. I'm dead serious. I don't care if we lose a game, every game for the rest of the year. Start Luka Samanich. Start Luka Samanich. Maybe put Keldon on the right, bench. I'm done now. Who knows? That's a that's a teaser for, for no, Friday. No, we're putting DeMar on the bench. Putting DeMar on the bench. Even bigger of a teaser for Friday. We're going to have all <laughs> kinds of discussions for our Friday podcast coming out, obviously, this Friday. What is that? The 2nd of April? Uh, and, of course... We'll be back Wednesday for the rematch against the Kings oh. at 7.30 at the AT&T Center. I gotta, we got to address one more thing that we just totally forgot to. Go for it, dude. Live streams. We're working on those. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> We're working. We said that we said we would do those in the trailer. So if you saw our trailer and you watched it, thank you for those who have. Um, I know obviously this episode wasn't live streamed, but we're, we're working on making sure we have the best quality podcast. Oh, excuse me. The best quality possible. Burp there, but yeah, I'm, I'm glad. I'm glad that this episode will end with with me burping mid sentence. That's, that's that's what SSPN favorite. is all about, Jude. Burping mid sentence. Yeah. Yes, but we want to bring you the best quality at the least <laughs> amount of cost on our end. So that will be coming hopefully uh, very quickly. We will keep you guys updated. Uh, let us know what you want to see in the comments section. Hopefully, we can get some conversation started with you guys and provide you the content that you want to see. As always, I'm Ethan Quintero. That's Jude McLaren, and we will be back on Wednesday. Thanks so much for watching.